Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. As we all deal the best we can with coronavirus and COVID-19 and now earthquakes, we want to hear examples that you've heard or perhaps have experienced of people, businesses, organizations doing good. There are plenty of examples of profiteering and the like, but there's a lot of good going on as well. Let's focus the program today. How can we help those in need even when we're social distancing? How best to help the most vulnerable like the elderly? You can email us with your experience, your idea, upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com, or you can call us at 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495. I should note that um, the White House is giving another uh, briefing on COVID-19 and all of the effects. That's coming up 930-ish, and so we will, uh, when the president starts speaking, we'll uh, close down here and, and go to uh, to that uh, press conference. So. We'll fit in uh, as much as we can here before that. Um, we're going to be talking with Paul Crouppen. On, uh, he re- recently wrote a piece on how to support your neighbors during this uh, time. Matt Whitaker from the Cash Community Food Bank will be joining us. Uh, Giselle Madrid from the Senior Center will t- be talking to us. And Ted Chalfont from Little Lambs Foundation uh, in Logan. We bring in, uh, in studio with appropriate social distancing, <laughs> um, Amy Anderson from Sunshine Terrace Foundation. Welcome back to the program. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for letting me be here. We are we are about six feet away, so that's that's good. Um, so I, I want to start with the earthquake uh, here. Uh, you felt it, you said. We felt it this morning, yes. And our, actually, our son lives down in Salt Lake City near the Rio Grande, and there's you know damage, significant damage. He's out of power. So for those people who lived closer in to Magna, there it was a big impact. The airport's closed. I mean, it's it it feels a little bit um, scary. I think for many people, especially. As you mentioned earlier, our seniors that, you know, up with all of these things going on in the world, um, we're all looking for reassurance that we're going to be okay. Yeah. You, you said something reassuring uh, to me this morning. Um, you're on, a, I guess, a contact list. Yes. And there are plans in place. And, and Sunshine Terrace Foundation, I guess the... They, somebody reached out to you to, to make sure that uh, Sunshine Terrace is okay. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we have a... a a text chain with our senior administrative staff. So we all checked in and different administrators went and checked their building. And so within 15 minutes, I was able to post on social media that our, all of our buildings and all of our residents were okay so that we could reassure families that count on us for caring for their loved one that everything was all right. Uh, reading from the Salt Lake Tribune, a magnitude 5.7 earthquake hit Wasatch Front shortly after 7 a.m., shaking homes from at least Logan, uh, going all the way down to Utah County. It was the state's largest earthquake since 1992. So uh, aftershocks as well as have been felt. Uh, I just want to read this quickly from uh, uh, and point this out as a resource for people. Utah.gov slash be ready. And it talks about earthquake preparedness there. Utah.gov slash be ready. And on this site, there's a, there's a little um, a page called Make a Plan. So important things to consider in an emergency family plan. Contacts. That's what we're talking about with you, right. Amy Anderson. Uh, make sure you have your contacts and and uh, be able to uh, you know get to the people you need to. Other plans in place. Find out what disaster plans are in place at your work, your children's school, and other other times. Well worth the time to look into that, right? Absolutely. It's always a good reminder that we need to be 
in, in the midst of one crisis, there can always be others. So it's a good yeah. reminder to be vigilant about those things. Escape routes. Determine two escape routes from each room in your home. So that's good prep work to do. Meeting places. Pick three places to meet in case of a sudden emergency. Make sure that the kids are well drilled in that. Um, children. Teach children how and when to call 911 and other emergency numbers. Play, post those numbers near your phones at your home. Fire safety. Install smoke detectors on each level of your home, especially near bedrooms. Make sure everybody knows where the fire extinguisher is and how to use it. Uh, I, I had to think a minute where my fire extinguisher was in my house, right? Yep. Um, first aid. Learn basic first aid skills, including CPR and insurance. Make sure your family has adequate insurance. Well, and I know many of us here have great neighborhood support. I know we have a, a flag system in mind where if there would be a tremendous earthquake here, we we have our different colored ribbons to put out on our front door so that people don't have to waste time checking on people who are fine. So another thing to keep in mind is that often in emergencies like this, cell phone circuits get very busy. So be brief. Um, if you can communicate via text with your loved ones or with people that you're worried about, do so because we need to make sure that those lines are kept open for people that are really in need. Yeah. So this flag system, it, it seems to work. Do you, I don't know if the neighborhood has tests about it. Yeah, we it. do. We have drills okay, where they good. you know, put out that it's going to happen, and you know, we, we hang our green ribbon out on our yeah. front porch so that they know we, wouldn't need, we would not need to be yeah. uh, checked. Well, so. that's good for your neighborhood. I've, I've heard of neighborhoods where they have the flag system, and they do the stress test, and nobody participates. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so uh, maybe people take it more seriously now. Yeah, maybe now, they'll right? take it more seriously yeah. now that they realize it can actually happen. I mean, 1992 yeah. was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, so we bring on first Paul Crouppen. Uh Paul is a uh, retired environmental scientist and attorney, 27 years in federal government, another 20 years in industry. Recently wrote a, uh, trains the EMT as well, uh, recently wrote a piece on how we can help our neighbors in, in these uh, trying times with social distancing. Paul Crouppen, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me. Um, so uh, maybe we could uh, you know just jump in here. Uh, I think we're wondering how to, how to help each other, especially when we're supposed to keep our distance. Uh, well, uh, it's uh, it's really uh, looming large on everybody's mind. Um, you know, when I uh, went looking and started tracking what sort of ideas that people need, I really tried to focus on things that we could do for ourselves to help others. And, uh, you know, many of us have a really robust frontline support system, uh, you know, and we can rely on family, friends, neighbors, clubs we join, religious groups we participate in, locally community organizations and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but there are really a lot of people who uh, are out there by themselves or alone with just one other person. They don't have a really good uh, support network, and they need help during uh, these times right now. And so identifying who needs help and getting them the right type of help is going to be really, really important. Um, and I basically just came up with a whole list of ideas on how people can, uh, you know, what they can do to help. Well, let, let's go through these. We have to we have to squeeze each of our calls in the program today because the president's uh, going to speak about 9.30 and 9.40. Um, but uh, you, you start with organized local support groups. Right. And then basically we're just saying get in, get out in your neighborhood and uh, with a notebook and start, you know, writing down the names of people in, uh, who live near you who do need help. Uh, you'd want to go up to the door or send your kids up to the door and ask them, how are you doing? Uh, can we get your phone number and email, and can we keep in touch with you? Um, you want to call on seniors, people who live alone, uh, the elderly, people with lots of small children, uh, learning dis disabilities or physical disabilities, and just exchange information and check on them. 
you can basically adopt a neighbor if you want to be looking for the vulnerable people and just decide, hey, I'm going to check on you. I'm going to be your friend and stay aware of what's going on with you. And if anything changes, uh, let me know what you need. Um, you know, it doesn't need to be really complex care. Um, you can basically just decide, hey, I'm going to maybe make some extra food for you. I'll bring you some cooked meals. Maybe I'll send my teenager teenager over to to go shopping for you or take the garbage in or out or uh, grab the mail for you. You just let us know what you need and help volunteer. Oh, that's that's a wonderful idea. Uh, I think the next one up, uh, volunteer, I want to, to pause and have Amy Anderson uh, talk about this. You were saying something before we went on the air. Yeah, so actually uh, here in Cache Valley, you know, we, we estimate that about 30 to 35 percent of older adults do live alone. So when they're social distancing, they're really social isolating at this point in time. And I would just be uh, careful to remind people, though, that every social interaction that we have also carries a risk of transmission of of any illness, not just COVID-19, but flu or any other illnesses. So we still also need to always be vigilant about that. So if you are checking on a neighbor, still practice those, you know, washing your hands, making sure you, you keep a distance away from people. We're finding that many seniors are actually reluctant to accept help because they are nervous about that. So I think Paul's idea is great to, to connect with your neighbors, but also as we approach them, just to be aware of the anxiety that they might be feeling at this point in time, and just to be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. And then you oh, were saying, absolutely. yes, and Amy was saying uh, also that, uh, you know, if you're a younger person, consider volunteering. Uh, usually the volunteers are the seniors. Exactly. Most yeah. most of our nonprofits here rely, mm-hmm. if you think about the pink ladies up at the hospital, those are all retired people. So, so if there is an organization you support besides your neighbors, you know, consider calling and seeing if they could use some extra help right now. Uh, so, Paul, where yes, the, uh, go ahead. This is where the uh, the adults can really help out organizing because they understand the situation better. And, uh, you know, whether you're seeing whether or not you can find out what, the, especially the businesses and the facilities that offer support for uh, the sick and the elderly and those in recovery and rehab, um, if you can reach out as an adult and find out what do you need, um, you can ask uh, food banks, retirement homes, children's and women's shelters, what are they doing? What do they need? And how can people help? Uh, many of the organizations are really going to be looking to staff up for volunteers, especially students and young people with cars and that sort of thing, because uh, if any of the staff gets sick, many of these businesses and care companies are going to be really actively seeking to people to back up, act as backup and take the place of care workers. And so there's going to be the need to basically, especially if you're healthy, and email, contact them remotely through websites, social media pages, call them, offer help, find out what sort of help they need, let them know what sort of skills or capabilities you have and you can provide, and then make yourself available. Mm-hmm. And really, especially with uh, you know the, the risks of contamination person to person, the remote delivery, doorway, enter, you know, no entering homes without you know being protected and um, you know, you want to basically be really careful about, re- you know, n- knowing how to reduce the risk of face-to-face exposure. Uh, you, you say one of your tips, deep clean, disinfection everywhere. That's a good uh, tip. Well, I think, you know, everybody knows how hard it is to find hand sanitizer these days. One of the best things you could do is just learn how to make uh, home disinfectant. 
the home sanitizer recipes are on the interview you internet using the 70% alcohol and uh, making sure you get the right amount of alcohol residual uh, but you can also just use you know, uh, bleach and water uh, at a 10 to 1. The CDC recommends a 10 to 1 ratio of bleach to water. And you can basically just grab paper towels. Uh, I came up with a uh, basically a clean touch clean again. Uh, and you do this everything you touch, everywhere you go, every time. And if everybody does it, all of a sudden things that haven't been getting cleaned waiting for, you know, a janitor or administrative person to come along is now being cleaned by volunteers. We can help a lot of people by uh, sanitizing everything. Uh, one of the ideas I saw the other day is somebody went out with a two-gallon pressure washer and made uh, sanit- you know, a sanit- disinfectant solution was spraying down and wiping the, the playground toys. Oh, yeah, that's, I wouldn't have thought of that. Uh, by so, the end of the day, yeah. the, the, the school district let out a contract, and they basically said, hey, we're doing that at every playground. Yeah, that's a great idea. Well, we just have maybe 30 seconds left. So, Paul Krubin, I, I, I like your, your final uh, suggestion, get outside. I guess, oh, you know, don't, don't go congregate get on, with other get people, on but the get outside. Internet, just put in the words, yeah. parks near me, <laughs> and then uh, just start looking at your opportunities uh, get outside. You can de-stress. The kids can run around and get a little distance away from each other, and it's probably going to be one of the most healthy things you can do every day. Yeah. Well, Paul Krupen, re- retired environmental specialist, attorney for 27 years of experience in various federal government agencies and other 20 years in industry. Uh, he uh, writes a uh, weekly outdoor lifestyle environment column for Tri-City Herald in Kennewick, uh, Washington. And uh, that's, how we, uh, that's how we found him. Uh, thanks so much, Paul Krupen. Oh, you're welcome. Appreciate it. Uh, we now uh, bring in um, Giselle Madrid, who's with the Senior Center in uh, in Logan. Uh, Giselle, welcome to the program. Thank you. Yes, we are the Cache County Senior Citizen okay. Center. Okay, Cache County, County Senior Citizen Center. So seniors are a, a vulnerable population. Um, how best to, to help seniors? Yes, we are trying our very best to reach out to the community and allow them to know of the information we have. We are still delivering our Meals on Wheels. This is a program for clients that are 60 years and older that are homebound. They can call into the center. We will do the assessment over the phone. And once they are assessed, we will put them on a route and have one of our Meals on Wheels delivery uh, drivers come to their home and deliver a meal. What we are doing to ensure of no... um, contamination of anything is we're doing a we are now beginning a new new direct new no direct method of contact i apologize and what that means is that we are just going to be having the volunteer put the meal in a in a bag and put that bag on the door for the client if the client cannot come to the door and has and we have their permission we will then enter the home with sanitized gloved hands and deliver that meal either next to their bedside or on a counter if they need Another thing we are doing is we're offering a curbside pickup um, for people that can want to come to the center and pick up a lunch boxed meal. Um, maybe these are the individuals that are still able to drive. All individuals 60 years and older qualify for this program as well. Um, and so we are inviting clients to please call us, 755-1720. They can get put on that lunch list, and we will have a lunch box for them, and it is a curbside pickup. And... Um, like I said, anybody 16 year, 60 years and older can do that. Um, if the person is slow to come to the door, maybe they're having a hard time for Meals on Wheels, 
we're asking them to put a, a chair or a TV tray right next to them, or I'm sorry, next to their door. And when the volunteer arrives at the home, they, the volunteer can just put the food there for them so that we're not having to enter the home if that client is still able to come to the door, but just maybe a little bit slower. We'll crack the door open. We'll holler, Meals on Wheels, we're here. Is everything okay? Hopefully we hear back from that client that they are great and we can set that meal down. So Giselle, you had mentioned that many of your drivers themselves are in that vulnerable population and that you may be in need of additional assistance. Can you talk to how people can help volunteer? Wonderful. Yes, that is correct. What we are asking the community is if they are um, maybe just on, on a leave of absence from work, every, you know, everyone, some of, the, some of the different jobs are on break right now, and like teachers or bus drivers, if they already have a federal background in place um, and they want to volunteer, give us a call, 755-1720. We can definitely put them on, a, on our uh, volunteer driving list that we have. But they need to already have had a federal background check, correct? They need to have already had a federal background check done. All right. Well, that's that sounds like a lot going on, and uh, hopefully get that word out to the seniors that the services are still going on. That's a good important word to get out. So one other need I know that the Senior Center has is, um, just as we're going to have little lambs on to talk about the need for, for a diaper bank, there are many seniors who are reliant on Depends because of some health conditions. And Giselle, you that had mentioned that people could come and drop off. Um, extra depends or any of those other garments so that if people are in need. wipes as well. Yes, we had a lady call in today that she was looking for depends. She went to the store and there it's everything is sold out. And so she is in desperate need of that. So please, if there are anyone in the community that has bought extra and they you know want to donate, we are definitely taking donations so that we can get those out to our clients and to individuals in the community that need it. Oh, that's that's wonderful. Uh, so again, the the contact uh, information, Giselle. It is the Cache County Senior Citizen Center. Our phone number here is four three five seven five five one seven two zero. Okay, Giselle Madrid with the Cache uh, County Senior Center. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for the good work you do. So some of those um, individuals that need that kind of. Um, check to make sure that they're okay. There is one other way. If you have a, an, a senior in your family that you would like a check, the RSVP, the Retired and Senior Volunteer Program, although they're not engaged in active visits, they are making phone calls. So if you would like to get in touch with Mindy Dokus at 760-4472, if there's a senior that you know that could use a phone call just to break that social isolation, please give her a call, and those volunteers are available and willing to make those phone calls. So again, okay. it's 435-760-4472 for the RSVP program. Okay, wonderful. Um, and we're, we're talking about how to how to do good, how to serve while we're social distancing during coronavirus and COVID-19. And uh, uh, by the way, we're talking about the earthquake as well, uh, the, the biggest earthquake in Utah this morning since 1992. Uh, I want to mention that uh, that a place where you can go and do some planning, uh, utah.gov slash be ready, utah.gov slash be ready. Uh, we bring in now Matt Whitaker, who is with the uh, Cash Community Food Pantry. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so I understand the, the 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 big annual drive food drive was had to be postponed, uh, but I, I imagine you're still accepting food donations. We are. We're we're accepting anything that anybody would care to donate. That uh, cancellation of that food drive really uh, comes at a bad time. <laughs> uh, we we count on that to help us get through the summer months. And they what I understand is they haven't canceled it outright. They postponed it till June. 
uh, I haven't got a date yet, but that's the time. And but we'll, we'll I think we'll be we'll be okay if the post office still does their food drive in May. I think we'll be okay. Okay. Well, when when they do reschedule that, get us the word. We'll help get the word out. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a big deal. Um, so how how can people help? Uh, donations right now. Uh, anything that uh, you see in the grocery store, we'll, we'll take it here also. We are short on items such as breads, cereals, baking goods like your flour and sugar and things of that nature that people are requesting. Uh, Canned fruits are also an item that uh, are not donated very much. Um, Canned meats, but uh, really anything that we could get down here to help give to the families that rely on us, we'd love to have it. And cash is also a great contribution, is it not, Matt? Cash is excellent. It helps us. It gives us a lot of flexibility. It helps us to buy things that aren't commonly donated. We can make your dollar stretch a bit farther where we're tax exempt, and the stores give us a great deal on it on top of that. So cash is a wonderful option. So I think the, the private suggestion would be uh, the, the food you were going to put in those bags and leave on your doorstep, why don't you just fill those the, the bags if you got them or your own bags and take them down to the, the food pantry? Yes. Yeah, the only difference is we, we wouldn't have somebody coming and picking them up this time. You'd have, they'd have to bring them down. Yeah. Uh, do you have any diff- uh, special hours, Matt, that people can come in and drop off contributions? Uh, we're here from uh, 8 till 4 o'clock. And even if they miss us during our open hours, we do have a drop-off box on the backside that uh, we check very regularly. Uh, tell us your address. I think a lot of people know, but some people may not know. We are at 359 South Main Street in Logan. Uh, if you're familiar with Logan, we share the parking lot with the Alpine Church, and we're straight across the street from the Travel Lodge. And as you say, there is a drop-off around back. Just drive around back, and you can drop it off if, if you can't go during those hours of 8 to 4. That's correct. All right. Um, and cash, as is, is Amy said. I guess just <laughs> bring, bring that over to the food pantry, hand it over to you? Yep, they can do that. They can mail us a check at 359 South Main Street, or they can go to our website at cashfoodpantry.com, and there's a link there that they can make a donation. Okay, wonderful. Well, thanks for all the great work you do, Matt Whitaker. Thanks for your help. Cash Community Food Pantry. Thank you. And everything we're saying applies statewide, so contact your local food pantry, contact your local senior center, and I believe all of this would apply anywhere you, you are. Uh, we now bring on Ted Chalfont, uh, who is the executive director of uh, Little Lambs uh, in uh, in Cache Valley. Uh, welcome to the program. Let's see if we have you. Welcome to the program. Do we? Thank you uh, so much for having us on today. You you bet. Well, thanks for all the good you do, Little Lambs. Um, so I understand uh, one of the things I've heard is that you're, um, I guess you're seeking donations to purchase uh, diapers. Is that true? Yes, we're uh, raising funds to purchase uh, a load of diapers to help, uh, you know, families that are being affected with diaper need here in our community during this uh, difficult time. Uh, and uh, uh, I understand there have been run-on diapers at the stores, bare shelves. That's one reason why you know, this service is... Yeah, it's been incredibly uh, uh, sad to see that the shelves are bare and... Families are in desperate need of uh, diapers and wipes and other hygiene products that uh, normally we take uh, for, uh, you know, we take for, uh, you know, every other ordinary day that it would be there. Yeah. 
so how how best to how best to help? I guess it's at this point it's cash, it's it's money. How, how best to get that to you? Yes, uh, right now we've halted our in kind donations um, due to you know wanting to make sure that we don't uh, spread any of the virus. Uh, um, by any um, means uh, necessary. And so what we have done is we've been able to secure a load of uh, diapers from the National Diaper Bank. S- sounds sounds like we lost him. So they're, they're securing a load of diapers from the National Diaper Bank. I didn't know there was such a thing. I did but, not uh, either. So uh, also one other quick local thing that if people are in need um, on Facebook, there is a new group called Stay Calm and Share Logan. And I was just on it this morning, and there were people saying, I need diaper size four. And so individuals here within our community have come together with that. People are posting their needs, and other individuals are are private messaging them back so that they can get those supplies to them. So um, in addition to Little Lambs and to the food pantry, um, if you are in need, I would suggest you uh, go on Facebook if that's one of the things you do. And uh, check out Stay Calm and Share Logan. There's also Families Feeding Families, which has some um, porch pantries that are available for people to go to. Um, and again, that's another organization that if you're in need of diapers or depends or some of those things as well, that the community is pulling together. If they have extra resources, they're they're connecting with one another and sharing. Okay, wonderful. Um, it's always so heartening to hear about uh, the great people doing good. I want to get this in. We're, I think we're trying to get uh, Ted Chalfont back, are we? Um, if we don't get him back, I've got some contact information uh, for, because we have to go to the, the press conference here pretty soon. Uh, I think the, the oh, uh, Ted Chalfont is back. Um, so, uh, sorry about that. Uh, so, uh, lest we get uh, disconnected again, uh, give us your contact information immediately so we can help. Yeah, so our contact information is uh, you can uh, reach us uh, by email at littlelambsofutah at aol.com. Um, you can reach out to us uh, by phone at 435-764-4439, or you can um, Venmo us at, uh, at Little Lambs of Utah. And, uh, you know, we are uh, so, you know, uh, grateful for our community support. It does take a community to uh, support our littlest ones in their time of need. And, uh, you know, we just want to thank all of the public for everything they have done uh, so far and helping uh, make Little Lambs of Utah what it is today. Uh, so, Ted, uh, give us the, the, those contact points once again. Yes. So our contact information is littlelambsofutah at aol.com if you would like to email us. Our telephone number is 435 764 4439. Our address is 1125 West, 400 North, Suite 200 in Logan, Utah, 84321. And may Venmo anyone that would like to donate to help these children in their time of need at uh, our Venmo username is at Little Lambs of Utah. Okay, great. Uh, very worthy cause. Uh, thank you, Ted Chalfant, uh, Executive Director of Little Lambs uh, of, uh, of Utah. Thanks. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to get this in. This is um, from Dave, uh, David Eskelson, a spokesperson for the Rocky Mountain Power and Pacific Corp. 
Uh, he says Rocky Mountain Power is aware of a large-scale power outages due to the 5.7 magnitude earthquake. Initially, approximately 73,000 customers were affected along the Wasatch Front. Restoration steps have reduced that to about 49,000. We're working with emergency responders to assess the situation so we can restore power safely. We're reviewing the structural condition of our own buildings and substations for safety, so customers should be prepared for an extended period without power. We remind customers to stay away from downed power lines and report them by calling 877-508-5088. So you report downed power lines by calling 877-508-5088. We appreciate your patience. Our thoughts are uh, with customers directly affected by this morning's incident. For updates and outage restoration, see our outage map. You can go to rockymountainpower.net slash outages dash safety. Uh, so that's a message from Rocky Mountain Power uh, Pacific Corp. With uh, this earthquake, 5.7, the most serious uh, since 1992. That is, it's amazing. Uh, on top of on coronavirus top of and COVID-19, yes. we're all on edge, but uh, hopefully we can we can reach out and help each other. Uh, Amy Anderson, I know we have to go to the, the press conference here pretty soon. Uh, how best to reach out? We're 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 you know we're in in place. We're social distancing. We're trying not to uh, you know. Do the reaching out that we would want to do, especially with seniors. What, pick up the phone and give them a call. What do you? How do you? Yeah, I would highly recommend pick up the phone mm-hmm. and give them a call. You know, as I mentioned earlier, many seniors do live alone, and so social distancing really means social isolating for them. So that's the single best thing. Um, if you hopefully have taught them how to use FaceTime, you can actually you know lay eyes on somebody and make sure that they're okay. Um, but as Giselle said, you know, there is this concern. We want to make sure that those of us who are younger may be asymptomatic but still contagious. So we always want to make sure that we're practicing all of the hand washing, um, safe distancing, and things like that so that we don't add an extra layer of anxiety to individuals that are that are in need. That's probably good advice for all of us, right? Even if you're not a senior, you might need some reassurance. Exactly. So pick up the phone, call a pick friend. Pick up the phone, uh, call a friend, yeah. I, I, one of my things is, you know, I'm an extrovert, so I love being around people. I'm ex- asking all my introverted friends to actually reach out and, and connect with me because, you know, many of us are very social people. And so this, it, it, you know, it causes stress. I think we all need to be mindful of our own mental health to make sure that we're that we're pacing ourselves, that we're taking time off, even when we're home alone, to relax, to make sure that we're exercising, um, to reach out ourselves and talk about our feelings to other people, to loved ones, or if you if you have been um, engaged in mental health care, to connect with your therapist, to connect and make sure that you're still getting that support, even if you can't leave your home. We still need to practice self-care in times like this. It's even more important. Yeah. Um, and all of this applies to the earthquake as well. Reach out, make sure your uh, people are okay, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So if I could also interject too, um, many many elderly are worried about going out in public. So I will say our local grocery stores have really stepped up and each one of them have set up ways for, for people to have access to either their stores or to uh, pick up service. Smith's now between 8 and 9 in the morning has senior-only shopping. Macy's has senior-only shopping between 7 and 8 in the morning. And Lee's is offering free online ordering um, with pickup. They'll take the groceries out directly to your car. Um, Their hours have been reduced. So I would also suggest before you go anywhere right now, check call if you can in advance and just make sure that nothing has changed. 
Uh, and just a, a parting shot here, and we probably have to go to the press conference here pretty soon. Um, we're delaying a little bit because we know there's usually some preamble before the president comes out. Um, but we don't want to miss the, the press conference. Uh, this was sent to me by Jason from the Cash uh, Chamber of Commerce. Um, how to help your local small businesses. Great we're, idea. We're concerned about the economy, right? Um, so here's some tips. Buy gift cards now and use them later. Buy items for future delivery. Keep your memberships current. Most places rely on your dues to operate. If you know a business owner, ask how you can help them during this time. Uh, offer delivery services to local seniors, to those who are more at risk to save them from having to leave the house. And order takeout from your local restaurant. Most of them deliver or have uh, to-go options. Well, and actually right now they all need to since Governor Herbert shut down all in in dining options for those of us in our community. I'd also say, too, if you're working from home, um, that's a new experience for many people, and that can also feel socially isolating. So I think for for those of us that are business owners or that have uh, people working from home now, it still is important to try to keep a reg- regular schedule. We encourage bosses to touch base with people at the start of the day to make sure that they're, they clarify um, what their expectations are. If at all possible, keep regular meetings. There's many online services now that are offering for free. Um, so example, like go to meetings, Zoom meetings, all of those places now. If you are a small business or a nonprofit and you felt like you couldn't afford that in the past, they all are offering those services for free so that you can keep that connection amongst your team. So there are tools and and opportunities out there that may not have been there in the past. So I would encourage you if you're working from home, you know, talk, go online, look at those things, try to maintain those social connections with with your coworkers. Well, wonderful. Uh, we'll uh, we'll end the program now and and uh, and go soon to the, the president's or the the White House Coronavirus Task Force um, um, press briefing. Um, Amy Anderson with Sunshine Terrace Foundation. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Tom. And everybody stay safe out there. Um, Still be optimistic. We live in a great community. We're all here for each other. I'm always so um, warmed after I I hear about all the good services and the the ways that we're helping each other. So despite all of the kind of scary things going on in the world, just just be reminded that we live in a wonderful, wonderful state, wonderful communities, and we're all here for each other. I totally agree. Thank you so much. Good good place to end the program. And thanks for listening to Access Utah. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, uh, still joined here by uh, Amy Anderson from Sunshine Terrace Foundation. Thanks for staying with us. You're welcome, Tom. So in the morning, we had uh, the White House uh, press briefing on COVID-19 to to get to. Here in the evening, we've got some, some more time. So we, we decided to get some more information uh, uh, out there. Uh, so what did you want to talk about? So one of the things that I think um, health emergencies like this brings forward, especially when we have elderly family members, is just looking and thinking about what end-of-life decisions um, are important to us. And we've in the past with UPR um, brought in uh, a film called Being Mortal and had a panel discussion. And I think it's it's probably a good time for all of us to to rethink that and kind of refresh our minds about what an advanced directive is, how we can talk to our family members about what sort of care and treatment we would like at the end of our life. Um, so what what things to consider? Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, and there are some, I mean, there's some tools, there's some things, so... Uh, 
where where do we go to find help to thinking through this? Sure, sure. So there's there's a couple of resources that um, that I would encourage people to go and look at. One thing is important to know that every state has different um, forms, and so you may have realized now if you've ever been to the hospital or if you've been to a long term care center when you're when you arrive they do ask you if you have an advanced directive, and so what that is is a form that you complete where you name a healthcare agent. And so this is somebody who will speak for you if you're not able to. So for those of us when we're in a healthcare crisis, if we are still um, cognitively sound, if we're, if we're able to speak, medical personnel will talk to us about what we'd like. But if we are not, it's important that you have a healthcare agent designated. And that's what an advanced directive form does. I would encourage people to actually go and visit um, the University of Utah's website. They have a place where you can go and complete and print off a healthcare uh, an advanced directive. The website is acoa.utah.edu backslash directives. And at that website, you can you can pull up what an advanced directive looks like. There's four parts. The first part allows you to name another person to make healthcare decisions for you when you cannot make decisions or speak for yourself. The second section allows you to record your wishes about healthcare in writing. The third part tells you how to revoke or change it. And then the fourth part tells you how to make your directive legal. Mm. So an advanced directive does not need a notary. It does not need to be done by an attorney. It is something you can do by yourself. But again, I would encourage you to go to that website, pull it up, take a look at it. Um, you include your personal information. You can include um, an agent and an alternate agent. So you need all of that contact information um, to include on that form. Um, but most importantly, I think there is a toolkit a planning toolkit that you can look at for advanced directive planning, because it's not just making those decisions for yourself. It's also communicating those decisions to your families and your loved one. And I think that really is the key. It's having those conversations with somebody so that they truly understand what's important to you. Yeah, I've, I've been through that. It's kind of tangentially with both my parents. Um, you know, that, that was a little clearer. We didn't thankfully didn't have, you know, um, incredible confusion with, with, with them. Um, but, but it can be very confusing and painful and, uh, and traumatic for a family if, if you don't know what, uh, right. If those things, if those your loved things, one wants. Yeah, exactly. If those things haven't been in place. So one of the, one of the other, um, organizations that I find to be a very helpful one is called the conversation project. And, They have a website, theconversationproject.org, that also has um, guides that can help you work through this process. So from their website, they talk about the fact that no guide or single conversation can cover all the decisions that a family can face, but that a conversation can help you provide a shared understanding of what matters most to you and to your loved ones. And I think that's ultimately the important thing. It's understanding what matters most. Each one of us is going to have things that we care about. Each one of us is going to have thoughts about how we would like to see the end of our life roll out. Um, For some of us, it could be, I don't want any extraordinary measures taken at all. So it would be important for my family to know that. For some of us, we might want every intervention possible, and that's our right. Um, But it would also be important for our family to know that that's that's what we want. So part of this, too, is understanding 
what those medical interventions might look like. And so I would also encourage people when you go to your physician, obviously right now with COVID-19 medical offices are saying only people who are really sick or really have needs should come in. But when that is lifted, um, when you have your annual appointment with your physician, talk to him or her about what end-of-life care looks like. That is something that they are well-trained in, that they're well-versed in, that they can help you understand what might be occurring and let you know what those medical procedures would look like. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel like we were having this discussion amid coronavirus and an earthquake. I feel like I want to say, you're going to make it, right? We're going to make it. Absolutely, but, absolutely. But that doesn't mean we bury our heads in the sand. Uh, and this is this is a... a these can be wake-up calls, right? Absolutely. To, to think to, to think through these things. Exactly. And I think, you know, when you, um, when you think about the facts about um, end of life, like 92% of people, if you ask them, would say that talking with their loved ones about end of life care is really important. But actually, less than a third have really done so. So you can see there's a real disconnect between we think this is important, but yet it's a hard conversation to have. And I think, as you just pointed out, with COVID-19, with this kind of uh, wake-up call, we recognize that none of us are immortal. We're all going to face something at some point in time. Again, it's not going to be COVID-19. I think our, our, our country and our local community has done great things to make sure that people are not going to get sick. But it does. It makes you recognize and realize, what do I need to do to plan so for the next even personal health crisis, not necessarily a national health crisis. What do I need to do to plan for that personal health crisis that might that might happen? So, you know, as I mentioned with physicians, 80% of people say that if they're seriously ill, they'd want to talk to their doctor about what their wishes for medical treatment are at the end of their life, but only 18% have reported that they've already done so. So we're not planning well for this right now in our community. Um, of people think it's important to put their wishes in writing, but only 37% of people have done so. So again, that disconnect, we recognize it's a valuable thing to do, but life gets busy. Uh, Things get in the way. We'd much rather talk about what our grandkids are doing or the wedding that's coming up or our travel plans with somebody that we love. These are really heavy, hard conversations to have. Yeah, important conversations. So tell us the contact points, the the resources again. So I would recommend theconversationproject.org. It's all one word. Um, That's one that has a guide that can kind of take you through it. One of their their taglines is, it's not what's the matter with you, it's what matters to you. Mm-hmm. And so it, it can kind of help you take you through this. Um, they have you fill out some surveys, so you, they want you to think about and what you'd, what you'd like to do, how you, if you feel that you're ready to have a conversation, if there's any particular concerns that you want to talk about. For example, are finances something that's a big concern to you? Uh, making sure that there's th- those are in order. Are you wanting to make sure that a particular family member is taken care of? So it's it's thinking about everything that surrounds your life, not just your healthcare decisions. Um, you don't you may not feel like you're ready to have a conversation yet, but it's important to just start thinking about it. You can start out by just writing down yourself in a letter to yourself or to your loved one or to a friend. What are those things that are important to you? You might want to practice having a conversation with a friend before you do it with your with a child or with with, or with your spouse. Um, 
understanding too that when you when you talk to somebody, you may find that you're you have points of disagreement, and that's going to be okay. But it's only by talking mm-hmm. um, that we can recognize where those where those differences of opinion might lie. Yeah, important conversation to have. You know, another important conversation to have. We talked about this earlier in the program. You talked about your neighborhood's emergency plans. It sounds like your neighborhood has it together. Yes, they do. Um, maybe I maybe I need to move. Um, <laughs> But <laughs> there's houses for sale everywhere right now. <laughs> um, with this earthquake, uh, and I want to point this out again, you can go to utah.gov slash be ready, utah.gov slash be ready. And there's a, a page there here called make a plan. It's important to have a conversation with your family and your neighborhood. You know, what if the earthquake had been more serious this time? And, and there are places in Salt Lake where there was damage that we've heard of, uh, you know, power outages which hopefully will be corrected fairly soon. What if, you know, what if we get an earthquake that's uh, bigger than 5.7, mm-hmm. right? Right, that's catastrophic. It's catastrophic. Uh, what if something else happens? Uh, this, you know, hopefully these, this, we'll all get through this, COVID-19 yeah. Yeah. and the earthquake, but the, this can be a wake-up call for us. So we need to be having these conversations as well. Absolutely, and I think that's, you know, that's the thing. Life is busy, and... Setting aside time to plan, it, that's the thing that's always can get pushed to the back burner. Um, you know, I know our neighborhood has encouraged us, you know, for years that we should have a family plan, as you pointed out earlier in the show, you know, have a central meeting point. I know that um, often when something scary happens, children, my their reaction is, is like, I'm going to crawl under the bed. I'm going to hide in the, in the closet. Um, I'm going to go jump in the bathtub. You know, we need to talk to our family. We need to talk to our children. We need to practice. That's that's the important thing about having a plan. It's not just putting it down on paper. It's communicating it to the people around us. It's practicing it um, in the event of emergency drill. You know, fire is a real possibility for us on any given day. An earthquake is a possibility for us on any given day. If we don't practice those drills and make sure that our family kind of knows them by rote, uh, when emotions are high, our, our thinking isn't always clear. But if it's something we've practiced, it's going to make it much easier. Um, I know at, you know at Sunshine Terrace, we practice what happens if there's a fire. We, our, our team, our staff knows where, where do we take different residents? What do we do to help people who have less mobility? How do, I, how do we prioritize? We talk about those. We meet. We have safety meetings. We practice so that in the event of those emergencies, it's easy to get the plan in place. Mm-hmm. And I think that we all need to do that for ourselves as well. Yeah. I just want to review this once again. <clears throat> this is at uh, utah.gov slash be ready, utah.gov slash be ready. Make a plan. This is specifically about earthquakes, but it could be about you know a lot of emergencies. Uh, so important things to consider in an emergency family plan, uh, contacts. Maybe easier to make long-distance phone call than to call across town or out-of-town contact. Maybe in a better position to communicate among separated family members. So how are, how are we all going to find out that we're okay, right? What's the what's the contact plan? Um, other plans to put in place. Find out what disaster plans are in place at your work, your children's school, other places your family spends time. Discuss preparedness with your family. Escape routes. Determine two escape routes from each room in your house. Meeting places. Pick three places to meet in case of sudden emergency like fire. Children. Teach children how and when to call 911 and other emergency numbers and have those numbers posted near your phone. I'm not sure with a cell phone. Maybe, maybe <laughs> a little true. thing taped to the, to the kid's cell phone. Um, f- 
maybe just teach 911 in that case. Um, fire safety. Install smoke detectors on each level of your home, especially in your bedrooms. Make sure everybody knows where the fire extinguisher is and how to use it. First aid. Learn uh, basic first aid skills, including CPR and insurance. Make sure your family has adequate insurance. Then they have a section on preparing and planning for individuals with special needs. Which is a can be a very different situation. Yeah, so hearing impaired, mobility impaired, uh, single working parent, non-English speaking persons, people without vehicles, special dietary needs, people with dementia. Um, so we need to be need to be ready. Uh, check for hazards in the home during and right after disaster. Ordinary items can cause injury or damage, so check for hazards, and then be ready to evacuate. They create a network of neighbors, fa- relatives, uh, friends, and coworkers to aid you. All of this needs to be done, of course, ahead of the emergency. Absolutely. And I, I, to me, what was really interesting this morning is, you know, I have a good close group of friends here in Cache County, and we all texted each other after the earthquake. And one of them was like, make sure, don't forget to go and check to smell for gas. And I think that's one of those things I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. If there's an earthquake, that's one of the things you're supposed to do is you check to see if there's a gas leak. You check to see, did any of your water lines in your lawn get broken? You know, things like that. So, um, being being reminded sometimes by these uh, fortunately relatively minor things help to make us be more aware, remember what we should be doing, and review those plans. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, um, I just wanted to. We're just about out of time here. I just uh, noticed this in the New York Times. Uh, this is just a contribution from a, a I don't know a, someone who wrote in. I'm I'm not even sure what this, but this is from Megan uh, Taylor Morrison. Uh, oh, I see this is a series of people around the country. But this one uh, struck me. Megan uh, Morrison from Marietta, Georgia, and uh, who, who writes in, During the COVID pandemic, social isolation is critical uh, for our uh, physical health. Physical health is not the only consideration, however. Losing touch with others can have significant impact on our mental and emotional well-being. She's the founder of the thriving creator virtual co-working community. As she says, as social isolation continues, it's important that we find safe ways to connect with others. Virtual co-working provides one way. Virtual co-working in simplest form is a video conference where you get work done. And that could apply, I would add, through if you just want to reach out emotionally, right? Absolutely. And so she says she used, uh, she chose Zoom video conferencing. Um, there are many others. Google Hangouts and Apple has FaceTime and and uh, as you pointed out early in the program, Amy Anderson, um, some of these services are are reducing the cost. Absolutely, I think that's really interesting. And you know, we talked about people doing good. I've been amazed by how many organizations are offering services for free during this time: the video conferencing services, a lot of other supporting applications, um, newspapers. You know, there's a lot of articles that I don't feel like I can afford to necessarily subscribe to every single national newspaper, but um, they're all allowing access to free content right now so that we can all be better informed. Um, those are important things, too. I feel awkward saying this on Utah Public Radio since you guys are a news center, but I think one thing, too, that's really important for all of us to keep in mind is that we all need to take breaks from the news every once in a while. Get out, take a walk, read a book, call a friend. Those are important things. We can feel really overwhelmed. And if all we're doing is accessing the news, um, that's not good for our mental health. So mm-hmm. although I love Utah Public Radio and I love <laughs> the program that you have, sometimes we do need to take those news breaks. So, mm-hmm. you know, Saturday mornings, listen to Wait, Wait, Don't that's Tell right. Me and all that's of those right. programs that are a little bit more lighthearted mm-hmm. or, you know, listen to some podcasts. But 
really, please don't get overwhelmed by all of the things that seem to be going on in the world today. Um, COVID-19, the earthquake, it can feel a little overwhelming. I, yeah. I admit at 7.30 this morning, my, my brain was going into a little bit of overload. So yeah, we still need to be mindful of our own our own health, our own self-care, our own mental health. So do those things that relax you. Um, if it's meditation, if it's um, the scriptures, whatever kind of helps to keep you grounded. Many of us are going to be grieving right now in some small ways because we're losing those connections to people. Uh, we can no longer get together. You know, churches have been canceled. We can't go out to eat with a friend anymore. We're losing a lot of those things that are part of our normal life. So we're going to need to find substitutes. So, yes, please, please continue to reach out to people in whatever way you can. Good place to end the program. Amy Anderson, Sunshine Terrace Foundation. Thanks so much. You're welcome, Tom. And thanks for listening to Access Utah.